Ashley was a witness to a homicide. Not only was she a witness to a homicide, she walked into the apartment after her boyfriend had just murdered their friend in their bathtub. He closes the door behind her, locks it, puts a knife to her back and says, I'm already going away for one murder. Might as well make it two. Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. Albert Einstein said, I believe in intuitions and inspirations. I sometimes feel that I am right. I do not know that I am. And Dean Kuntz said, intuition is seeing with the soul. So we have Sunil Gatsi today, and we're going to be diving into intuitionology. So it's a very, very interesting topic. So we're going to dive into it, how our intuition, our gut feelings help us move forward in business and in life. And so we're going to get his take on it, his expertise, and just see how we can implement that in our life to get better results. So if you want to know how you can use your intuition, your gut feeling more to have success, this episode is for you. And if you like anything you hear, make sure you share it on Instagram and tag at Pencil Leadership and subscribe to the show so you don't miss future episodes. A lot of people think of intuition as sort of this intangible kind of thing that we talk about. And the journey of me starting it really came from a business perspective. And it really came after my first book called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster. The premise of that book is that if you were to learn from the lessons or the failures or hurdles of others, and so that's what my book listed, then as an entrepreneur or a business executive, as long as you don't repeat those lessons or those hurdles or those failures, you should be able to succeed faster. And so when I used to start speaking on stages, the one question I kept getting is, okay, Sunil, come on, give me the one thing that's going to make me successful. And so I used to roll my eyes saying, okay, look, I didn't come here with a cue card or a PDF sheet. This is a 400 page book filled with stories of failure and hurdle that you can learn from until I went back to the audio recordings. And when I went back to the audio recordings, 80 to 90% of entrepreneurs and business executives use some form of I knew what the right decision was. I ignored my intuition. I had that gut feeling. I ignored my gut. And I'm just thinking, wow, I didn't realize that there was this common thread. I was just wasn't looking for it. And so I thought, start thinking, okay, when did I remember intuition hitting me? And when I was five years old, I distinctly remember that there were these video games that I wanted my dad to buy. And he said, they're too expensive, son. And I had this voice tell me, Sunil, go door to door to raise money. And that's exactly what I did. I went door to door and I raised $200, this five-year-old kid, lots of milk and cookies. $100 went to my dad and the other $100 went to charity because my school was doing that. And I felt really good about that. But what happens to all of us when we go through life is I often refer to how we go about in life like a banana. We've got the fruit in the middle. And what happens is there's so many people giving us advice that's bad. There's so many people that, you know, we listen to or say something or put us through trauma or we've got societal norms that we start giving them the power. And so in a banana, the layers start coming up, right? And so who you essentially are inside, which is your intuition, gets covered up. And so over time, that's the same thing that happened to me. More and more, I started ignoring my intuition. And so when I thought back to the times when I ignored my intuition, there were three things that came up right away. The first was, you know, if you look at, at me, I'm a South Asian male. And so there's four career doors as a South Asian male. It's doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure. <laughs> and I was meant to be an entrepreneur. I mean, at five years old here, I'm raising 200 yeah. bucks with no issues. 
And entrepreneurship, there's so many breadcrumbs of that in my whole up until then. But I didn't listen to that intuition and I ignored it. And I drank the Indian East Indian Kool-Aid and I became that engineer. And my dad was an engineer and I hated it. And so many signals were getting louder and louder. And we'll talk about the signals a little bit later. But finally, in year two, I got a chance to be a private investor with a Mexican restaurant chain that came up to Canada. And very soon I was making five times more in dividends as a private investor than I was as a full-time engineer. And so something had to break. My intuition was screaming at me saying, you got to let go. And so I quit engineering in year three. I sacrificed my relationship with my dad. We didn't speak for a number of years after that. But I was running five or six businesses, $20 million in revenues and loving it. And so entrepreneurship was exactly what I was meant to do. Then I turned into a management consultant. And there was this contract that I got that was worth a lot of money in Silicon Valley again, coming from Canada. And the exchange rate, it was even more sweeter than that. <laughs> um, and so the contract terms were changing. And when I talked to the HR people about this, my intuition was saying, don't believe what they're saying because they're making so many excuses. But the dollar value of the contract was so high that I was so emotionally involved with that, that I said yes. And I spent every single penny going down to the US and they never paid me. And mm -hmm. I came back with 25 cents in my bank account. And perhaps the most devastating decision is, and this is what happens when you don't trust yourself, right? You start doubting the decisions that you make. I had this friend reach out to me and she was being stalked at the time. And so she said, Sunil, I need some help. And I was doing some coaching in university while doing engineering. And for some reason, my intuition is saying, meet with her that afternoon. It was urgent. And I just said, you know, let's meet a couple of days later. I didn't have anything pressing on my agenda. I definitely could have met her. And so I said, two days later, let's set a date. And unfortunately, what happened is the very next day, that same guy that was stalking her walked up to her at a bus shelter and put a bullet through her head. And so now I've lost time, money, energy, effort, and a good friend because I ignored this thing called intuition. Hmm. And I really needed to take a deep dive into understanding what this was. And the problem I had initially is that a lot of the online stuff at that time was about manifestation, meditation, voices from God. And that's okay if people define it that way. I have no issues with that. That definition didn't really resonate with me. Mm. And so I kept wondering, online dictionaries didn't work. And I distinctly remember there was someone in my social media circle and she was an international psychic and she talked about intuition as signals. And I said, now I can get around that because these are signals that resonated with me. So I went to talk to her, took a film crew to get our interview. And she said that the research just wasn't there. And it's just our belief systems aren't there. It's this is a real thing. And so that was great. But what I was really kind of taken aback was that, OK, intuition affected my life. And now I have this book where 80 to 90 percent of close to 300 people I've interviewed have talked about intuition. Why is there no research like this just baffled me? And so I said, OK, who else do I know that I can get sort of a scientific explanation and lo and behold, I had a neurologist in my circle of mm -hmm. colleagues and I went to him and, you know, I thought this is going to be a two minute conversation. So I took my film crew, went to the hospital he was at, turned on the camera and I basically asked him, does intuition exist? And I wasn't expecting anything. And he goes, it absolutely exists. We all have a sixth sense and he uses it for his patients. And he was saying more and more neuroscience research is coming out that is showing that intuition is hitting us much earlier than we consciously think about it. Hmm. And I'm thinking, bingo, there's the science part. And now I understood intuition as an art and a science. It's kind of like at a duality. 
And if I go back to my engineering days, what really resonated with me is if you look at the properties of steel, for example, steel has a mass-like property and it also has an energetic or wave-like property. So from an engineering perspective, that's kind of how I thought. So intuition really resonated with me. So that was the definition that I loved. And so now I'm thinking, okay, where's this research that this neurologist is talking about? And so I went to an academic database. I typed in the word intuition and I'm expecting maybe 10 or 15 articles. I hit the enter key, tens of thousands of articles on intuition. And here's where the science now comes in. One of the things that I thought was that, okay, well, if intuition hits me when I was five years old, perhaps I'm born with it. Mm. And so I found this research paper that showed that infants as young as two months old have been shown to have intuitive tendencies, wow. or this paper calls it intuitive physics. And then the fact that intuition was hitting us much earlier than we consciously aware of it. Two papers showed that intuition actually hits us on average seven to 10 seconds before we actually take a decision or take huh. an action. And these are MRIs. So I'm looking at brain scans. And finally, the fact that I couldn't find a definition, brain scans showed that when intuition hits you, it hits the amygdala and the limbic mm -hmm. part of the system, which is fight or flight there is zero capacity for language there. So that means mm. that when we talk about intuition, we all define it in our own way. And so if you look at, for my podcast series on intuition, what well, the first question I ask is, can you define intuition? Everybody describes intuition as this feeling, which is exactly where you are in the limbic system. And it's all different because <laughs> they all define it in how they perceive it. And nobody's wrong. It's how you think intuition acts or works. And so there's the science I talked to earlier about signals. So mm. there's a couple of characteristics that I also found out. And so I interviewed over a thousand people to wow. figure out, okay, how does it actually work now for people? And so th there were two types of signals that we all get. There's the positive signals and the negative signals. Now the positive signals are the ones that tell you that the decision that you're about to make is the right one. And so for me, for example, the dots connect or I get a mm. feeling of flow. And there's a CEO who sees this omen. It pops up right behind him and there's no shape or color, but he just knows that if he's looking at a business deal or a vendor or a partner or an employee and this omen pops up, he says yes to whatever he's doing. This guy has run now two multi-million dollar businesses on these omen. And so I'm just like, wow, that is so specific. If you now look at the negative signals, the negative signals obviously tell you not to make a decision. Yep. And so these for me are things like my, I get that gut feeling or sometimes yeah. like for me, if there's something wrong, my peripheral vision, I will lose it and I will get hyper-focused on something that's not right in my environment. And that's to me is a negative signal. If something's up, wow. it's either a person or a situation and I lose it, the peripheral vision has gone. That's and crazy. so the, that's how specific is. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. We've had so many good points that I've just, I'm like, whoa, okay. Yeah. We'll come back to the positive negative. I want to definitely come back to that. But yep. this is what stuck out of me first early on when you're talking is you finally went with that intuition, that gut feeling of what you needed to do. And when you did, it sacrificed your relationship with your dad for a couple yes. of years. Yeah. But then on the other hand, when you didn't follow that intuition, that gut feeling, you lost a friend. Yes. So absolutely. To me, that is crazy. Both are negative. Obviously, one's 
more extreme, but doing the right thing and doing the wrong thing as far as following intuition in that regards still had negative, you know? Yeah. And when it came to my father, he was drinking the East Indian Kool-Aid. So Mm. in the East Indian sort of culture, it's all about what you can talk about. My son's a doctor. And so he really didn't care about what I wanted. I don't want to say that in a bad way. I was working on his agenda. Yeah. And so there were a couple of things. Entrepreneurship was one. I was programming, and this is what I don't want to date myself, but I was programming <laughs> at a point where people were just turning on computers. <sighs> I saw the very first Oracle program, the Apple IIc. And so I was separated as, you know, sort of the nerds, but I was mm. programming way back then. And so that was another avenue that I really loved. But my father just never bothered to ask. He says, yeah. no, you're going to be doctor, lawyer, engineer. That's it. And wow. because of my love for him, I followed that, even though these signals were getting louder. Sunil, this is not the path for you. Mm. And I think it's that people knowing, like, even if you follow your intuition, things still might be hard. They might be difficult. But as you continue to do that, then that's where you start seeing kind of the positive come from, I'm sure. But you could still see some rough spots once you follow that intuition, just because sometimes it's against the grain. And so it's harder sometimes. Yeah. And it's harder. So, and this is where we have to be very careful. It's not really hard. Yeah. It's, it's hard because we are comparing ourselves to a norm. So we are imposing something that's hard. It's like saying, great point. They're the norm. I'm not. And I'd like to reverse that saying I'm the norm. They're not. Yeah. And so when we say it's harder, it's because we are going against this thing in our head that we think is a norm when what we're really doing is just trusting our intuition that points us in the path that we need to take. And so the other important thing is if we've failed in the past, that's your friend. If we've had fears, that's your friend. And I'll talk about the failure piece a little bit moving ahead when we get to the four types of intuition, because it actually takes into account your failures as things that it learns from. Okay. And so it's very, really interesting. And so again, and your failures came back from these negative signals that you ignored. Mm-hmm. And the reason why you ignore the negative signals even more so is that they're very subtle. And those are the ones that we miss. And Oprah yeah. calls them a whisper. And so what happens is we talk about this gut feeling. We talk about intuition or trusting my gut or I heard that voice. But many times, respectfully, people don't know what they're talking about. Because they're talking about a meme, what they saw on social media. Mm-hmm. And we all have individual signals. And so what we all have to do is actually take a look back and say, okay, when did I make bad decisions? And when we look back at that, what did it feel like at the moment? And because your intuitive signals get louder and louder as you ignore them, we have to almost work backwards to say, okay, I got a gut feeling when this happened. But was that the first decision that I made? And so oftentimes it's not. It's tied to a previous bad decision we made and a previous bad decision. And so where this can come up is that let's say, Chris, you and I, Mm -hmm. we do a nice exercise on figuring out what our intuitive signals are. And let's say you've got your first signal that comes up anytime there's something negative and you're correct that it's a gut feeling. That's your first signal. And let's say you and I are having coffee and we're talking about this, which may be weird over a coffee. But let's say that I make the mistake of saying, oh, yeah, you know what? I get a gut feeling, too. And I make the mistake of assuming that that's signal number one for me, but it's actually signal number three. Mm. What that means is I've missed signal number one and signal number two because I haven't done my homework. And so if I've missed two bad signals, I've made two bad decisions. Because I don't know what I haven't paid attention to the signals. And if I've made two bad decisions, that could be me just stubbing my toe huh. or I could be headed towards bankruptcy. I don't know. 
Wow. Okay. This is where it's really, really important to take the time to figure out what your signals are. And so the way that intuition really works for most of us is that we get these signals that are positive and negative, almost like driving a car, right? So you drive a car, you turn it on, you push the button or turn the keys, you hear the engine. If it's a really sick engine, there's something wrong and you take it to a mechanic. And if it feels okay, you simply drive the car. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit of a nerd in that I would need it to say, okay, let me pop open the hood because I really need to figure out, okay, how does it actually work? So we get a signal, but is that signal, like, where's that signal from? Like, what is it made up of? And when I looked at the research, there's actually four types of intuition that come together in a split second to inform that signal as to what the right decision is for you. And the best way I can show this to you is actually from a non-believer's perspective. Okay. So when I first started intuitionology, one of the first interviews I had was with a fellow by the name of John Rothschild. He's an investment banker. Data, spreadsheets rule his life. So when you're thinking about intuition and it's being talked about online as voices from God and spirituality, he's not having it, right? And so I phoned him up and said, John, can I get an hour of your time? And he says, you know, Sunil, honestly, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Intuition does not exist. Come on down. I'll give you an hour and we'll chat for five minutes on whatever you want to talk about, intuition, whatever. And then we'll catch up. I haven't seen you for a while. Hmm. So I go down and, and this is all on camera now. I'm turning on the camera. And I'm telling him about the CEO that sees omens, trying to convince him that here's someone who's run two multi-million dollar businesses on an omen. And he was saying, nah, you know what, Sunil, you know, I'd love to shake his hand, but intuition just does not exist. Decisions in life are based on learning and experience. And I said, okay, now here we're get, is where we get into the four types of intuition. One type of intuition of the four is called experiential intuition. So if you look at your brain, like an iceberg. Mm -hmm. 90% underwater is the subconscious part of your brain. And the 10% is above water. That's the conscious part. What your intuition does ever since you're born is that it takes all the learning that you have and it's plugging that away every day into the subconscious area of your brain, like a library. Mm -hmm. Five to 6,000 events a day when you're young, 26 to 35,000 events a day when you're older, every single day. And so when you are making a decision and a signal comes up, your intuition goes into this huge library of past experience and learning, both good and bad. So if you failed, it's going to learn from that. Yours and somebody else's formal, which is in school and informal street smarts or just what you experience every day. And it takes the relevant pieces of information and experience you've had in the past. And that's the experience that it already has saying that when it gives you a positive signal, It's saying, yeah, you know, you've done something in the past like this before. I'm telling you, you can make this decision. Or if it's a negative signal, it's going to say, Sunil, listen, somewhere in your past, you did have made a similar decision and it didn't turn out right. So I'm telling you with this negative signal that you better not make that decision. Interesting. So so that that can go from your past to like if you're about to do a million dollar deal, like something from your past before you, and you haven't even ever done a million dollar deal, but something still from the past is intuitively connecting to that deal. Absolutely. It could be the shifty person. It could mm. be the marketing message. It could be the contract terms are just not, you're not reading it where you understand it, whatever it is. If it's a million dollar deal and something is off, it's going to get triggered from something you've seen ah. in the past. 
And so that's why for those companies or those people who I've interviewed who have done joint ventures or takeovers, the ones that have gone bad, they've instantly known that this is not going to work out well. 100% of the time. And those that did go well, it was because of the people. It had nothing to do with the terms of the contract. It had nothing to do with the size of the contract. It had everything to do with, do I trust the people on the other side of the table? And when they had a hint that something was off, when they slightly knew that their intuition is saying back away and they didn't, they've either lost their culture, they've been downsized, they've been kicked out, it was a negative on the balance sheet, whatever the case is, it never worked out. And so that's how these signals really, really work. And they're very subtle. And so this is where you don't want to get caught up like I did in the numbers, right? And the, the other thing with experiential intuition, as I was telling John, is that sometimes it gets you to go against the data. And so he's saying, wow, you know, Sunil, I've got an example of that. I'm thinking, okay, well, let's hear it. And so John was in the business of putting franchise locations in. And so when you put a franchise location, typically what they did, his team, is they did a benchmarking system. So if they ranked it out of 10, anything nine or above is where they'd put like a McDonald's or a Wendy's or whatever franchise. And so they'd look at traffic patterns, demographic data, and development in that area as examples of inputs into that number. So there was this one place in a really crappy area of Toronto, Canada, and his team looked at it and it was a five and a half out of 10 on their scale. Now we're getting into the second of the four called situational mm -hmm. intuition. Him and his partner just go to that area of Toronto and they look around and John says, something is telling me. It's looking at the situation around. Something is telling me that we need to put that location there. And so he goes against his team's advice. He goes against the data and he puts in something called the beer market. It was the first franchise totally unrelated to what he did before in terms of square footage, business model. This is a dilapidated area of Toronto where people are just having beers just to get drunk. He's trying to put the beer market as going to teach people about beer pairings and with food. It was just, it was just for all intents and purposes, looking outside in says, this is a bad idea. That became one of the most successful franchise brands under his whole portfolio, all because he trusted and he's saying now, perhaps it's intuition or not, but we put it in there. So now he's starting to massage <laughs> his intuition into his language. And then at some point, John's purpose changes. He wants to move away from investment banking to actually start a business. And so now we're going to get into a third of the four called relational intuition. What relational intuition does is it filters people through to only allow those people who really care about your purpose. They're not just yes people. These are people that will give you constructive criticism, but you know they've got your back. And so all the people who are into money, fame, ego, security, high-end restaurants, private jets, limousines, all of them said you're nuts. Not one of them bothered to ask him why, except his wife. And his wife asks him, John, why do you want to do this? And now John, and I'm paraphrasing him, he tells his wife, this just feels right. Now he's telling me about an intuitive signal. And he goes on to explain, sometimes you can have all the data in the world, but at some point you have to trust your intuition. Bingo. Now he's using the word. And the fourth of the four is called creative intuition. Creative intuition is the one that actually helps you make the decision. So if you're just turning left at a signal or making a sandwich, 
your creative intuition is pretty low. You know, it's pretty mundane and stuff. But in this case, John was leaving a two to three million dollar a year job behind to start from basically close to zero. It was almost bankrupt. And so you would think that somebody who has his experience would pick a you know healthy cash flow, strong revenues, you know, good balance sheet. His intuition picks this tiny bankrupt little restaurant. He walks into that tiny bankrupt little restaurant, trusting his intuition. That bankrupt restaurant ended up being Eastside Mario's location number one. And over the next 20 years, he grew that to a $2 billion behemoth with a whole bunch of different brand names, all because it felt right. That's the power of intuition. That's awesome. And now wow. I went from a non-believer in one hour to him fully using the word intuition, fully telling me what his signals are. And when the cameras were off, this guy was just jumping off the walls. I had no clue. And so all I did was that I got him to understand his intuition. It was his signals, the way he defined it. I didn't have to tell him voices from God. It was based on learning experience. When you put the tool, I was shining a light on this subconscious tool that he has and showed him all the experiences that he had where it played a role. In one hour, he totally believed it. And we all have it. Right. And yeah. so the Intuitionology Project is about shining a light on your own intuition and saying, OK, let's just stop talking about I have this gut feeling voice like we do on social media. Let's actually figure out how this thing works. And if I can understand how it behaves, I can trust every single signal and every decision from that time on is going to be the right decision for you. Wow. It's so neat. Maybe we're not really listening and hearing these signals. So how can we get better at hearing them and then differentiating them? Is there a process to that or? Absolutely. The big process. So the, I have a seven day challenge on the Intuitionology okay. website and it's free by the way. And awesome. so, and I give you a PDF worksheet you can fill online, but there's a very specific process that you have to go through and people can do this as we're talking right now. And so what happens is what you go back and you take a look at in the seven day challenge, I get you to pick one problem that you haven't solved. And if you don't go to the seven day challenge, what I get you to do is think back to take a sheet and look at the right decisions you made mm -hmm. and the wrong decisions, the bad decisions you made. And for each one, you want to think about how did it feel mm. in that moment? And in the seven day challenge, it's very specific where I get you to pick a problem that didn't work because the first thing you want to take a look at is what are your basket of negative signals? And you want to drill down again, was that decision number one or was it decision number four? And you want to really get down to the subtle negative signals and the subtle positive signals. Mm. So in the seven day challenge, I'll use that as a framework. Okay. Once you start with a problem you haven't solved and you list the things that you didn't solve it, every single one will have a negative signal attached to it. Then you have a basket of negative signals. The next thing is what you do is that you figure out, okay, what are the steps that I need to solve this problem? And so you'll know that you'll get that feeling of flow. This just makes sense. And those are the positive ones. And so then you start putting on the steps that work that are going to be the right ones. If you slip in one that doesn't work, then guess what? You've already done your homework on negative signals. A negative signal is going to come and say, ah, ah, Sunil, you can't put that process there. That particular thing you want to do is not going to work. And so you take it out. And then what you're left with is your positive and negative signals. You know what those inventory are. And you've also got the steps on, on how to solve that problem. And now the thing is, okay, the biggest thing is who's going to help you solve this. It could be your best friend. It could be someone, a mentor. It could be somebody you just kind of met or somebody online. If you try and force 
your best friend in there because maybe you think it's really sexy to have a seven-day challenge. You want that person to give you that stroke of ego. Your negative intuitive signal is going to say, ah, 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 Sunil, come on. Your best friend can't help you with this problem, and you know that. Mm. And so that so you're going to get an intuitive signal that's going to be positive to say, okay, I'm going to pick you know Mary, who I met in a mastermind group, as an example. And mm-hmm. so you're going to get a positive signal and say, yeah. So she's going to be the one to help me solve this problem if you need someone to help. And then what environment do you change? And then you solve the problem. And so you have a very proprietary seven-step process that you do to solve that problem. And so when you go to the seven-day challenge, there's two people I actually have go through with you. One of them is John Harris, who actually sold his house in that using the seven-day challenge. He started off day one with some realtor who came in and threw his, her card at him saying, you're only going to get $20,000 under asking price. I know the market. That's just the way it is. You better sign now or you're never going to see me again. And so he used to be a pushover and his intuition was saying, I don't trust this person. I'm going to wait. And seven days later, he had a bidding war for his house and he sold for $50,000 over asking price. That's about 70 grand in a seven day window. It's 10 grand a day. That's not bad. Hmm. The other person is Ashley Michelle. And Ashley was a witness to a homicide. Not only was she a witness to homicide, she walked into the apartment after her boyfriend had just murdered their friend in their bathtub. He closes the door behind her, locks it, puts a knife to her back and says, I'm already going away for one murder. Might as well make it two. Her relational intuition had her calm down to the point where she was able to control him. He assaulted her, choked her, asked her to clean up the blood. And her intuition, she just waited and waited. And there was an intuitive moment that she got a sliver of time that she could run out and save her life, basically. And she did. She ran, unlocked the doors, ran 18 flights of stairs down the apartment and called 911 and obviously lived to tell the story. And she used the seven-day challenge to minimize the anxiety, PTSD, depression, didn't get rid of it. But what she learned in the seven days is that she can go back to the gym where she could really think and be just emotionally well. And she could learn to start trusting people rather than having, you know, five locks on her apartment door. And as soon as she opens the door, she's looking left and right, wondering, is somebody going to get her? And so the way I say is that if somebody like John and Ashley can go through the seven days and find wins for them, everybody can find a solution to a problem. Yeah. And it's completely free. Yeah. And I think you just kind of connect with knowing ourselves better. Because we can do that in so many ways, and I think this is a big one. And for me personally, and I know you said it can be called whatever. So for me, that's kind of like just my faith and kind of listening to the Spirit, listening to God speak to me. And it's been prevalent. Like it's the same kind of thing you're talking about is moments where you have these nudges that maybe don't necessarily seem like they make sense, but they're just so strong and you follow them and, and good things have happened from it. More vice versa, like you didn't listen to it. And so I think, yeah, just getting more in tune with that is a game changer. Like it'll change everything. Absolutely. And again, Chris, for you, that's exactly how it functions. It is those voices or nudges from God. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. You define it your way. Mm -hmm. And if that's how it is for you, excellent. There's no way for me to judge that because it's very individual to you and me. Right. And so you and John are going to be on polar opposites, (laughs) yet the end goal is the same. You both use intuition to find wins in your life. I don't care about who defines how. That's not my job. I'm not here to shove any kind of definition uh, down anybody's throat. I'm here to say, okay, 
Here's a light on intuition. Here's the science that backs it. It's just not my opinion. There's yeah. like hundreds of thousands of people where experiments are done, backing up what I think it is. Here's over a thousand people I've interviewed and tested it on. And here's some case studies that I've had where people's lives have completely changed because of either the challenge or any of my mentorship programs. So this can happen to you all for free. And it just starts right after we leave this conversation. Yeah. The good thing that you do have that it's not easy. It's simple, but it takes some work to learn it, to understand and to hear and listen and then be able to take action correctly with it. So yeah. that's a good thing. It's really with a lot of like learning about self, it's not necessarily hard, but it does take a little work and a little effort to hear and to know ourselves better. Yeah. And one of the things that we often do, and I talked earlier, we started this about relationships. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is that we often are doing things for other people in the past. And I talk, use that banana scenario. And so when we try and just leave that and say, I'm not living for them anymore. What I want to do is actually live in the present moment. Then this is where intuition gets powerful. And one of the interviews I had was a fellow by the name of Vin Jang. And with Vin, he's an international magician. And in 2016, his career was on fire. This guy was seeing 100,000 people a year on stages, 80 stages around the world, and everything looked amazing. Apartment downtown LA, brands, everything. He's in with the clique. And his intuition was saying, listen, buddy, externally, you may be looking good, but internally, you're an absolute train wreck. And so he needed to actually take some time away and really sort things out. He tells his wife, I got to do this on my own. And he goes to New Zealand and he starts putting up these pieces of paper on the wall that say what he thought his values were. And he looks at that and he goes, well, that's funny. This is what my mom wants. This is what my wife wants. This is what my career wants. This is what my manager wants. This is what the people I, it's all through the lens of somebody else. Mm. And He's just looking at it and he was saying, this is haunting. This is staring back at me. He says, this has nothing to do. Like, where's Vin? So he takes these pieces of paper down. He puts up these pieces of paper up again that are his values. And he was saying, instead of this feeling cathartic or feeling free, he says this was frightening because for the first time in his life, he's given himself permission to do the things that he wants. And the problem is that he went through that exercise and he felt really frightened, but gave him permission to live life on his own terms. And he falls right back to the old way of doing things, back to the same people, back to the same stupid external and extrinsic motivated life. And six months go by and then his parents come up from Australia and his mother sets him aside. He says there's a saying in Vietnamese that when you hang around squid, at some point, you're going to get ink on you. <laughs> and she said, you're hanging around with a squid. This is not my boy. And that was his intuitive trigger to do this thing all again. And he finally said, I'm done with the downtown LA apartment. I'm moving out to the suburbs. I'm getting a minivan. If this means I stop being a magician, if it means I stop doing what I'm doing, I'm going to do that because I need to be true to myself. And it was tough. Mm. What he thought was tough. And when Vin was telling me that story, there's a concept that talk about opportunity cost. And so it's not just the six months that Vin had that he didn't make the right decisions. I said, Vin, it's also the six months that you lost 
not making the right decisions. And so you've actually effectively lost one whole year of your life. And if you're in the business of helping 100,000 people a year, how many people did you leave behind? How many people did you not help? And he said, Sunil, I've never, ever thought of it like that. So the one thing is to make sure that you actually do this and you actually take action. And we were talking earlier about sometimes this being fearful. Mm -hmm. When you're actually making the steps for you, it is fearful. But what happens is there's a difference. Remember, we're hitting the fight or flight part of your brain. Right. So it's either you're going to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or you're not. And if you're going to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, your intuition is going to say run. But oftentimes when your intuition is telling you to take a decision that goes against the norm, whatever the norm means, that goes against the people you've been listening to before, that is actually you're finally giving yourself permission to live your life, there's fear. There's some real fear. But what happens is since you've done your work on the positive signals, that fear is actually met with a positive signal. And so your intuition is saying fear is your best friend because now you're moving into a territory that's brand new. You're going to open up the doors of opportunity and you have to break through that fear. And a great story that I have with that is the fellow by the name of David Dame. This guy had cerebral palsy all his life and was in a wheelchair and he would go on vacations, look at a beach and just say, what if? Because he was never able to go on the beach. All he wanted to do was dip his toe in the ocean water. Never able to do it. And a number of years ago, he got that chance. He says, finally, I'm going to listen to my intuition. I'm going to do it. He gets wheeled up to the edge of the sand and water barrier, and he gets held up by his friends. And he feels the sand and water, and he falls flat on his face. And now the embarrassment starts coming in. And now the fear starts creeping in. And he said, Sunil, I have two things that I can do right at this moment. I have two choices. The first choice is to succumb to that fear, sit back in my wheelchair, and forever regret of turning that dream into a reality. I am right here. Or I can listen to my intuitive signal that's saying, David, take that first step in the water, even though that fear is there, and then take the next step, and then take the next step. And he starts being in the present moment, takes the first step, the second step, the third step, and he gets to the point where the water hits his chin. And then he turns around. And he was blown away by how far he came. Hmm. So fear was his best friend. And fear is your best friend as long as you're trusting the positive signals. And this is where the work is definitely needed. Mm -hmm. Battling the fear and taking action. Living in the present moment. And so there's a lot to unpack there. But when yeah. you spend the time to do that, and it doesn't take a lot, Boy, oh boy, can you imagine where your life would be? Yeah, it's living in the moment. So my intuition is saying that I definitely need to go do this seven-day challenge because it's been my thing the last couple of days is reminding, hey, live in the moment. Like listen to yes. right now and not worry about the past, not worry about what's coming. Like plan for it, but now work and live right here. It's, it's just one of those intuition moments right here that you've reminded me of. But so many, yeah, just – thinking back like that I've had and it's like what would have happened differently if I wouldn't have listened you know to yeah. those positive signs but even that fear like one of them was fear and I was like okay that must be what I need to do then because it's making me grow it's going to make me better 
but it's still going to be scary. And so I think that's a huge point that we've got to understand. Like fear, like you said, fear is our friend. And I think that's Absolutely. a huge thing to take away from that for sure. I love this topic. I'm glad we were able to touch on this and expound on it. And I know I learned a lot. I'm hoping the audience learned a lot. I'm sure they did. Just being able to live in the moment, listen to our intuition, listen to those sounds, whatever it is for you, and just running with it. So, Sunil, thank you so much for sharing all of this. I know it's just we really probably just hit the tip of the iceberg, too, which is amazing. So I look forward to further conversations. Sure. But this was such a great start for people and that that they can go to see your seven-day challenge. Before we kind of wrap up, though, I do ask one question of all my guests, and it has to do with pencil leadership, the five traits of pencil leadership. But the fifth being, there's a story about a pencil maker who created this pencil. And the fifth trait he wanted to tell his pencil was that, listen, you're created specifically and uniquely with a purpose to leave a positive mark. But you might encounter a pen who makes fun of you because you can't write in ink and as smoothly as he can, or a paintbrush might make fun of you because you can't paint with beautiful colors like she can. And so just remember who you are and what you're created to be able to do because you can make a huge impact and leave a positive mark wherever you go. And so with that being said, for us, it's the same thing. So when everything is said and done for you here on earth, what do you hope your positive mark is? So my positive mark is leaving a legacy to my kids and getting them to embrace what intuition really is. And both of them have gone through the seven-day challenge. Both of them have identified bullying behaviors even before the bullying has started. And so that's the one thing. And if there's anything that has helped me demonstrate that is that if you look at the paintings behind me, so those are painted by my daughter. She went to India. And so this is where purpose really is driven by intuition. She's been painting ever since she was four. And she went to India and she saw these paintings done by people with no arms. And she goes, oh my God, these are people who are disabled. Look at them, like look how they're being treated and they're just normal people. And I wanna do something for them. And I said, okay, it's gotta come from you. Your intuition has to come from you. And so six months later, we're playing board games and she whips her head around and she says, dad, I got it. I said, what, is, what are you talking about? I had no clue what she was talking about. And she goes, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to sell my paintings. I'm going to raise some money. And I'm going to have people come who are disabled to paint and express themselves. And I'm going to fund that whole thing. And one of the big things is I don't care what other people think. And so she did. We opened up a federal nonprofit agency the very next day. We had a fundraiser. She wanted $2,500. We raised over 5000 She had a pop-up event where we had people with big brothers and big sisters come. We had some people who were in wheelchairs come. And the one person who came that really solidified her purpose was this fellow who had Parkinson's disease. Hmm. He says, and my daughter's name is Avni, he says, Avni, come here. She joins him. And as he's starting to paint, if those are watching, his left arm is just going like crazy because of his cerebral palsy. Hmm. He dips his thing in paint, his paintbrush and starts painting, and his arm stops. And he says, Avni, this is what your event is doing for me. And that was the moment of purpose driven to her. She's raised $30,000 so far. And when we talk about these pins, these pins are the naysayers. These pins are the naysayers saying that you can't do it because you're a woman, Mm. a girl. You can't do it because you're young. You can't do it because you're 14. Mm -hmm. She's 14 years old. And she's raised $30,000 in over a year because of this purpose, because of intuition. 
So those pins don't exist for her Mm-mm. because she does not listen to the naysayers. And that's something that I've driven her. My wife has driven into her because it's about that purpose driven by intuition. And when you're driven by intuition, who cares what people say? Because for her, it doesn't matter because she's affecting the people that matter. She's attracted the people that matter. And that's what happens with your relationships, with your intuition is filters those people through. We talked about this earlier. Yep. Those people who are truly there for your purpose and where you want to be and they want to see you succeed happens now. And she's lucky, I guess luck, that it started when she was 12 years old. And there's my legacy. That's awesome. Pins don't exist in our family. That's awesome. I love that. So good. What an awesome thing that she's doing. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing that. That's inspiring right there with what your daughter is doing. And so, again, thank you for sharing. Where can no people connect with you, find out more about Intuitionology, and follow you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on Intuitionology.com. So that's the main uh, website there. The Seven Day Challenge is linked to that. You get a free copy of my ebook gut as well as a resource. I'm on all the social media channels, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. I've recently gone on TikTok. I haven't danced because if I dance, <laughs> then somebody's negative signals are really going to start screaming, saying that guy needs to stop. <laughs> but yeah, follow me on all the channels. And if you're interested on the business side, I've got SunilGutsy.com, which talks about intuitive branding, mm. where you actually use intuition to have the intuition of others trusting you within 14 seconds to basically do business with you. And again, that's all intuition based. And so I help entrepreneurs and business executives make sure they do it right from the start, from their marketing message, their sales teams, from them themselves and how they hire. And that's all based on intuition. Awesome. Yeah. Well, everyone definitely check out all of that. And it sounds like that for business could be another episode, how that intuition in 14 seconds. So I look forward to maybe doing that in the future because that's another topic that would be absolutely and just that alone my case study that people will often want me to share is that we have a struggling four hundred thousand dollar company which i took to three and a half million in just over two and a half years because of this 14 second thing called trust that your intuition works on amazing 14 seconds that's crazy Well, again, Sunil, thank you so much for being on Pencil Leadership and just sharing your wisdom on intuition. And yeah, super grateful for you. Thank you so much. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.